audible, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you tryna guard Kemba. <laughs> your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson that was top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a Brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> Aziz. Hey, Jay, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything is Potable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the legend, the guy who made a mistake at the Celtics media game. And I only say that because some guy paid me $100 to buy you a knife to just say that. So I just have to point that out. Shout out to Tuxedo Octopus. You will be getting a forged in flame uh, knife for me, J. King. How are I'm you doing today? Yeah, he said he bought. He gave us enough money uh, to buy us both uh, sets of knives. He insisted that you get one too. What kind of knife is this? It's forged in flames. It can cut re- literally anything. Um, I'll send you the link. I, we no free advertisements, but it sounds uh, like some Mordor, Lord of the Ring type shit. Oh, it's it's pretty much that. It can cut a, a giant marlin in half. Uh, it's a fantastic knife, but we oh, that's not I'm what like we Aragon. I'm gonna be like Aragon. I don't know who that is. Uh, that your nerdy side is coming You're out. Not a Lord of the Rings guy. Never have been. Never will be. Just way too long. More of a Harry Potter guy, which I know you're a big Harry Potter guy. Um, J. King, secret nerd, doesn't like a lot of people to know that, but it's uh, it's an interesting fact about you. But the real reason we're here is because it is two two. Uh, people are dying for content. The Celtics fans are uh, upset. They uh, basically turned on Jalen Brown, Brad Stevens. Um, but they want to know more about the series. And, of course, we're here to give a mailbag. And so we got a decent amount of questions. People are engaged. And so figured me and you will go through them and, uh, you know, give the people what they want. Beautiful. All right. The fa- uh, first one is from John Pulis. This is the man who immediately made fun of my haircut after game three. Um, it, it was deserved hate. Oh, no, I looked terrible. I looked uh, – it was awful. But he asks – is everyone saying this Raptors series is uh, this is the Raptors series right now? It feels like an overreaction to the game the Seas played decent in. I would say they didn't really play decent, but I'm going to modify the question: uh, Whose series is it? Who's favored to win the series right now, Jay? I had Celtics in seven before this series. I've still got Celtics in seven. Anyone who thought the Raptors were going to roll over. Was nonsense dreadfully misinformed about this Toronto team because this is a tough team, it's a grimy team, it is a team that is very, very tough to score against. So, there will be some nights when you go seven for 35 from deep over the long run of the series. I still think the Celtics have more scoring, more dynamic playmaking, and that that will be the difference. Yeah, the Celtics have been in every game uh, of the series so far. Even game four, where they were shot 20% from three, they were made a run at the game. 
They like the Raptors needed a buzzer beater in game three to beat them. I still think the Celtics are the better team, um, but the Raptors are, you know, a quality team. There's a reason that you were looking forward to this matchup for so long uh, because they're a very good team. They have championship pedigree. They've been through this before. They were not going to back down. So, I mean, clearly the momentum, if you believe in it, is in the Raptors' favor, but I would have to imagine that the Celtics come uh, come back in Game 5. Although I did say that they were going to come out strong in Game 4 and they had their worst game of the series. So, really? The, the guy who tweeted us today about that was was one of my favorite tweets that I've received in a long time. This dude who's never tweeted at, at me before, I don't think he's ever tweeted at Packard either, just decided to say that, number one, he loves the podcast, and number, and number two, basically that Packard was a dumbass for saying that the Celtics are warriors and would be ready to play in game four. Here's the thing. If he really loved the podcast, he would have known I was a dumbass and was going to be a, a Celtics homer. So I think he's a bit of a line on, on that end. Moving on. We got about 35 different versions of this question, um, but I'm going to take the one from my main man, Ed, uh, Truth Faustino. Should Brad consider starting Time Lord and matching him with Gasol and then matching Ibaka with Tice? He seems to see uh, it's better that way. I know Danger Cart thinks it's better that way. We got a bunch of Time Lord questions, I think, because Danger Cart is stirring the pot. But what do you think about starting Time Lord? Um, because you had this, these great tweets today explaining why he wasn't very effective against Ibaka. I think it actually sort of makes sense because I, I do think Robert Williams, his athleticism – is such a difference maker against Gasol because Gasol is a basketball genius. Gasol is a defensive mastermind. Gasol can't move nearly like he used to. And Robert Williams is just so bouncy that he he's really given the Raptors problems in this series. And the, the Celtics have had some of their best scoring moments with Robert Williams on the court. Now, can he guard Serge Ibaka in the pick and pop? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no. But can Daniel Tice do a way better job of that? But that's yes. why that's why shifting the starting lineup could be something that that makes at least a little bit of sense. And I, I'm normally against overreaction like that. Like Daniel Tice is clearly the Celtics best center. But in this matchup, like play Tice the same amount of minutes as he normally would, but just make sure that Robert Williams plays his minutes against Marc Gasol. And Brad went to that pretty early in game four. Like he made that adjustment and Gasol's not any time Gasol shoots a three, that's pretty much a win for the Celtics. He doesn't seem really comfortable out there. Abaka's absolutely killing them from three. It seems like time Lord uh, is more adept at dropping back in rim protection and uh, just being more in the paint. That's kind of like where he's better suited. Whereas Tice can play more out on the perimeter and stay with, um, Abaka, I think it makes sense. It's a danger cart. Knows you're thinking too about sports. You you weren't re- you weren't ready to give credit to danger cart, but no, uh, no, no. <laughs> danger cart. The best danger cart is because he's normally very analytical about stuff, but when he gets the angst going, it not only does he, does he get fired up, he gets the entire fan base riled up. Danger cart. I don't think he understands the power that that he holds. Oh, no, he does understand the power, which is makes it even more magnificent when he really gets going. When he gets a tweet storm going, it's fantastic. And then when he berates the entire Celtics media core for Calling not it. asking about Robert Williams, that that was awesome. And I, 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 
I think he really convinced Keith Smith to ask the question today. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly why we got a question about it today. And that's probably why you went and uh, looked at the tweets and looked at uh, the uh, plays he had against uh, Ibaka today. Everyone, we're just living in Danger Cart's world. It's true. It really is. All right. This question's from Sam at Dijon Rondo, which is a fantastic uh, handle. How can the Celtics get more threes from Tatum and Kemba against the Raptors defense? They're only combining around 12 three points attempted uh, per game this series compared to 16 in the regular series. So what can the Celtics do to get more threes of their top two guys? Tatum would, to some extent is just like, he needs to just shoot them. Right. Like Tatum is just kind of the guy, his shots, you can't guard, but I think the the Raptors, they make him uncomfortable. Like they really get up in him and, and, they they give him a different level of discomfort than most defenders do, um, but he just needs and, a shoot over Lowry or Van Vliet if he's on him. Like he can get off his sidestep three pointer pretty much any time. He just needs to take it. Yeah, yeah, but those guys like they're really they're up in him, so it's not it's not like it's an easy easy shot just because they're they're smaller. But but to some extent, like Tatum can create a three whenever whenever he wants. The the Raptors are really, really shading toward though. Like the help they send is just so intense. And that's why his passing has been looked so good, is because they're forcing the ball out of his hands and he's making the right read, like getting it to the right guy. Like the Raptors are doing it like everything they can. And we've seen with the number of doubles they're throwing at him, like they're trying to get the ball out of his hands. So at some point you got you're like asking him to kind of say, fuck it, I'm just gonna shoot over two guys. Yeah, and I think everyone would think a lot differently about the Celtics' offensive performance if Jalen Brown had hit some of the wide-open corner threes he had early in the game because those were the Celtics making the right play. Those were Jalen getting wide-open looks from a spot where he hit 48-point-something percent for the season, and and they just missed. And so, like, yeah, those guys definitely need to get more threes, more shots, but the way the Raptors are playing, the Celtics also need other guys to contribute to. And that, that's that's part of the reason why it's so tough to have like a Shemi Ojale on the court or a Grant Williams on the court because that, that just empowers the Raptors to fly around even more than they already do. And, and like they're okay with giving up a three-pointer to one of those guys because one, they'll, they'll fly in for at least a late contest and two – they don't trust that those guys can beat them in any other way. And, and they might be right with that. Um, yeah. But let's go to the second part of that question. It actually combines with Jared at Harks. Um, he says that it seems like the Celtics played a lot of isolation without movement in game four and possession was a fight while Toronto moved the ball well, creating more looks and ask, what do you think Kemba can do to better facilitate the offense? But it also goes back to what can Kemba do to get more three-point looks. It feels like Kemba got up some like pretty open three-point looks in game four. I think they can just set higher screens and really require their big. Like if their big wants to step up and meet Kemba at the three-point line, he has the speed to blow by them. It feels like they're doing this. Raptors are doing a pretty good job of um, protecting the rim. And Kemba's actually doing a lot of driving to passing. So I think the Celtics can kind of step up to or set the picks higher. But other than that, what do you think Kemba can kind of improve to get more looks for himself and then looks just for make the offense look better? And I would actually, sorry to ask you a question and then answer it myself, but like I thought the Celtics had pretty good ball movement in stretches in both game three and game four. Like they 
they seem to mostly be struggling with the zone uh, at times and the self, the changing of the zones. But I don't know. I thought their passing has been fine. It's just knocking down open looks. Yeah, and and part of that is that the Raptors just make you uncomfortable. Like every time Kemba and Tatum, like there are times Kemba has like three guys on him. There was one of the Jalen Brown threes. Kemba literally had he drew three, and Jalen could have like literally Tice was wide open at the basically at the rim. Jalen missed him, but the amount of attention that they're sending to the Celtics guys, like it's 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 a lot, and so so they make guys uncomfortable. They they're really good at scrambling out of that, so that they kind of don't get hurt by as, as much as they help. But they're um, forcing Jalen to take shots and they're forking, forcing Marcus Smart to take shots. Like they're, they'll especially live with Shemi and Grant, those guys taking threes, but it seems like they're kind of fine with Marcus and Jalen taking threes. And you would expect given Jalen's percentages that he's going to shoot better. You never really know what's going to happen with Marcus. But as you see, when he makes threes in game three or game two, good things happen when he shoots two for nine or one for nine, it's not as good. Yeah. And, and, that's one of those things too, where like in the long run, giving Jalen Brown open threes is not a good strategy. It's just not going to work because he's become a good shooter. But in the short run, like if he gets if he gets in his head a little bit, if he starts to doubt himself, if he lets game the end of game three and the entirety of game four fester, then then that's where they can get even more aggressive out of that. So it's going to be big for Jalen to make shots moving forward. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. I know Packard likes to keep his balls tight and clean. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man like him. Because of their, their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawnmower, waterproof, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, which are so damn comfortable and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. The Crop Preserver is anti-chafing ball deodorant. Nobody likes it better than when you smell beautiful down there. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Again, that get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. All right, next question from Austin Pauly at Big Red 0704. What hurt the Celtics worse over the past two games? Lack of shot making or Gordon Hayward's absence? And I'm going to say... <laughs> Both. <laughs> Hayward's absence led to lack of shot making. For those who can't see on video, that was my brain exploding uh, because I was able to answer the either or question with a both. But what do you 
I did it again. I asked a question and then answered it myself, Jay. But when anything's worse, uh, the lack of shot making or Hayward's absence? They go hand in hand. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> also that was also his brain exploding. Um, yeah, I, I think part of it is shot making, but Hayward just makes everything easier for for guys because he has he has another guy who can make plays off the bounce and. He has another guy who can be a secondary creator. He's been a super efficient scorer all season. So, He's the best guy who's like probably the guy you rely on most to beat the zone just because of how effective he is in the paint. And it feels like a lot of their zones is like if you could have a guy who can just knock down kind of those mid-range jump shots who's also a good playmaker and makes the right pass, like he would be very good, especially in the moments when Kemba's not on the court. And, uh, and, and just his physicality, the sheer physicality because – the Raptors, they, they make you like really earn the the space that you get. And hey that's that's what Hayward's great at because he's six eight and he's strong. And if the Celtics were or if the Raptors were guarding him with a smaller guy, like he'd be able to create that space. And and I, I think Hayward, his absence, we we've said it since this Sixers series. It it didn't matter then. It was going to matter in the Toronto series, and it has. Like that—that's a big deal for the Celtics. They—they they can still win the series, um, but it their their level of difficulty and the level of pressure on the the top three guys, especially and Marcus Smart as as the fourth option, it really raises because we've said it a million, Like the Celtics, their their offense dries up after that. Yeah. This is questions from Jacqueline S.O. Brad apparently made a comment today that he had some ideas of changes to making game five, but he didn't reveal what he was going to do in classic Brad fashion. But what do you think those changes are? And if it's something beyond kind of the Time Lord Abaca uh, change we mentioned earlier? I would. They've got to find a way to free up Tatum. Um for for more more of the looks that he likes, like I felt like in Game Four he was pretty good, but for the most part it was the looks that the Raptors want him to take. Like except for the post moves when he just kind of went right by smaller guys. Like a lot of the stuff was was him like being physical, him getting to a spot, him being inside the arc rather than outside of it, and he can do that. But that's that's not where he really excels. So I, I think they need to do a better job of of freeing up Tatum, especially Kemba. I think will he can find his own. Like yeah, he, he's so fast and so creative. But but with Tatum, I, I feel like they need to put him in in different opportunities um, for him to get some easier ones. Uh, maybe not not even easier, but just better looks, looks that are more catered toward what he really excels at. If I was Jared Weiss, also of the athletic, I would know the play set and know the name of the play. But you know when he comes up to the top of the elbow and like kind of goes directly out sideways, and they like they used to run that play a lot. It feels the like the one that they killed the 76ers with. Yeah, the one they keep like, and I think JJ Redick mentioned on his podcast talking about Tata uh, when he had Tatum on. But like they used to like run that play over and over and over again. It feels like a situation where in which Tatum is be comfortable. The thing that's difficult about the Raptors and as much as I hate to do it and give uh, Nick Nurse, known Karen, uh, credit, they're switching up their defenses. Like, they started the fourth quarter, and they were playing this triangle. And two, 
like kind of zone or like a two, two, one throughout the most of the game. And then they start the fourth quarter and go box him one on Tatum. It's like, there's not an easy adjustment for that for um, to just like, you know, you can't run that play because the zone kind of changes things up. And if you're not knowing that, like, it's hard to be prepared for all the different looks that the Raptors are going to throw at them in order to like, all right, now we'll free up a, a good look for Jason Tatum. So you have to give the Raptors some credit for, you know, just throwing up the like, like just doing, trying crazy different things and being well-versed in it enough that like they can succeed in a new zone in the fourth quarter of a game four. Yeah. I mean, this, this was never going to be a series where offense was going to be easy to come by. This was always going to be a series that was in the muck. Just, oh, it's mucky. It's ugly. Like there's some stretches there in the fourth yesterday where it's like the, both teams didn't score for four minutes or four. Or five yeah, minutes. and that's why I felt like the Celtics were kind of overblowing things when they said, you know, we just didn't play as hard as them, and maybe they didn't, but it's like they played hard as hell. They played pretty hard. They like held the Raptors to not that much, like thirty nine percent shooting, like under forty percent. The Celtics played some. Bone saw defense. I don't know what that means, but bone saw felt like a cool word to say. <laughs> little bone saw defense. <laughs> bone saw. All right. Here's an, here's a possible adjustment from random tweeter at Juanito Registray. Should Romeo be playing over Shemi? So, so here's the thing. Shemi's out there, like we've said, because he's a spacer. And, and that speaks to the lack of shooting the Celtics have on their bench. But also, if Romeo's out there, how badly are they going to help off him? And how much would that just limit what Kemba and Tatum can do? I don't but Romeo I, I, Romeo can explode to the rim and like attack the rim way better than Shemi. Better season. Better than I just I, know I'm, athletically. I'm I'm going to find out what Romeo Langford shot on two-pointers. I'm talking eye test. This is eye test Twitter. I don't care what your analytics say. I have more faith in Romeo attacking the basket than I do Shemi. And I think you can have, like, we saw Shemi try to do the Michael Jordan, Dr. J reverse layup. I think Romeo could be an offensive spark, and he's solid on defense. and Offensive spark? Perhaps, Jay. I'm speaking in mild hypotheticals here. Is Shemi, am, uh, what is Shemi? Shemi has made what two threes in this series. You don't think Romeo can knock down two threes? Why not give the kid a chance? And I think he's going to be better on defense, at least more versatile, slowing down the smaller guards of the Raptors. I'm just saying Shemi is not like lighting things up. It's not like Shemi putting Shemi in as a spacer is, has been gangbusters. No, that is definitely not gangbusters. I'm just saying that the guy with a career. 35% shooting, 18.5% from the arc, and yeah. 43.4% from inside the arc. Sounds like an not, offensive spark to me. May not be the offensive answer. I, I think Romeo Langford has some tools. I think in time he'll be a versatile wing for the Celtics. I just don't think you dust him off in this series against a team that literally – what they do is they help off guys like Romeo Langford, and maybe, maybe, maybe a Romeo Langford could could do a, a l- little more work on Fred Van Vliet or Lowry, give Tatum Kemba like a little bit of time off that matchup. But 
The answer is not really trying more guys. It's probably just like playing Shemi less and playing the starters more. Like it, Nick yeah. Nurse used eight guys. Like Brad Stevens, I think, could do that. Um, I actually would think probably a little more Wanamaker just because he is more of a reliable shooter. Uh, it's just harder to be small there. But um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Wanamaker, I, I do wonder like the amount of minutes these teams have played the players on these teams have played, especially the Raptors, like Lowry and Van Vliet basically don't come off the court. Yeah. Is is that going to affect them at some point in this series? I think it might, but it the, has, hasn't so far. The Celtics, like they need to make their minutes tougher. I, I think. And, and that's tough because Lowry already plays like the toughest minutes. He's out there flopping and falling and, and taking charges and, and he's still durable as hell. If if their durability comes down a notch, then that that will really favor the Celtics because those guys have to play a ton of minutes for Toronto. Here's a question from Jay Lewis. I'm going to file this under the overreaction category. Is Brad Stevens the worst big game motivator in the league? <laughs> uh, I, I will say that uh brad, brad's not a mo- like brad does not he's not giving you his, a fiery speech he does not consider his job to be a motivator like he and i, I think he's right players are going to be motivated for a playoff game regardless you don't need somebody to come in and give you the win, win one for the gipper speech brad's more about like calming guys down and telling them stay in the moment live in the moment be in the moment how many uh, – what's the best way to eat an elephant, man? One bite at a time. I can't believe Brad used that during halftime. Yeah, who's eating elephants? I'm sure people eat elephants. I don't know. I think the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time collectively as a team. I mean, I think it's a great metaphor, but I don't know who's eating an elephant. I've never heard of eating an elephant, but I don't know. He's just not a – like, he's a Zen master. He's a – like he's a guru he's basically like a yoga instructor he's not a pump he up is guy. a yoga instructor he really <laughs> is adjust this slightly stay in the moment breathe and then just like he's not gonna give you a one bite at a time out of this elephant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a terrible yoga instructor impersonation but uh, yeah it's just not gonna just not gonna happen um this calls from angel tk70 how many uncalled offensive fouls has tatum committed in the last four games now, I will say Tatum does have a tendency to get throw his elbow in there and try to create some space. Also, Kyle Lowry has a tendency to get his arm underneath the arm of his uh, the guy going against him and pull it towards him, in which just some great grifting. Like, Lowry's guy, a genius. He's a genius grifter. Marcus Smart, as good of a grifter as he is, he could learn a, f- a few things from Lowry because Lowry is doing some stuff that, frankly, I think it's the type of thing you don't appreciate until you, like, Probably Raptors fans knew this all together, like just from watching him throughout his career and after game by game after the season. But you watch him four games in a row, and it's just like, wow, he is—he is impressive. He's—he's he's a better grifter than Smart. There, I'll say it. I don't want to say it, but he's—he's he's best grifter in the league. He's an innovator. Yeah, he really—he's <laughs> a disruptor. I mean, he runs face first into elbows. He does—he does all that stuff. He's. Man, he, he's fun to watch. I, I I love watching gritty, grimy guys. And and Lowry might he's up there among the grittiest and grimiest. This this, this series has just the amount of grime in this series is 
is just impressive. There do you are think, a lot. Do you of think Smart's going to get fined for his flop in Game Four? No, it was outrageous. He got flopped for the one in Game Two. No, two, yeah, two, two, two. It was outrageous. The NBA does not find guys for flopping anymore. It's not something they do to pick this one random flop. And granted, it was a glorious flop. Yeah, but that was pick- your guy. That was your guy, Mo Doc Hill from on Basketball Buds, calling for the flop on Twitter. Said he should be fined 10k for the flop. Defend your and- man's. Defend your man's. If they actually find people for flopping, then fine. Go ahead, fine him. But. They don't find people for flopping. If I were smart, I would be furious about the $5,000 fine he got in game two. Because even though it was an outrageous, outrageous, totally, totally ridiculous flop, they don't find people. They can't just decide to find people just because he he went over the top a little bit. And especially against Lowry? Against Lowry? In a series against Lowry when Lowry isn't getting fined? Oh man, I'd be I'd be furious. For a punishment, this comes from the world of criminology. For a punishment to be effective, it has to be fair, proportional, and certain. And if there's no certainty behind it, there's, there's no teeth to the punishment. It's just sometimes people are getting fined and sometimes people are not, then everyone's going to think, "Okay, this is the time I get away with it." Which is why, largely why uh drug sentencing in this country is majorly flawed but that is besides the point unless you're flop finding everyone there's just no point in finding anyone it's just a, it's a token is just it's so stupid and they should give that five thousand dollars to charity um i feel like every once in a while you bring out law school law school tidbit for the, I, for the I have to remind people that i'm not a total idiot that like i actually know things and so i just it's for the people to know yeah i am not a dumbass i have thought about stuff some people would argue that uh, you probably are a dumbass. Like those that people- guy who tweeted. <laughs> like, like those people w- would be wrong. But we're going to end it here with a great question from Ryan O'Leary, Esquire. He's also a lawyer. Um, <laughs> you are not a lawyer. You're not even in fucking law school, bro. I, I didn't. The also wasn't referring to me. It was referring to other lawyers. <laughs> I just said <laughs> he is also a lawyer. I just I was saying he's a co- he's a questioner and yeah. he's also a lawyer. Neither team has won a home game. Are the virtual fans not doing enough? Wow. wow that- <laughs> <laughs> what do you think that like the actual effect of have not having home court advantages? Because I guess there is no effect, but like the being in the bubble, there's no changes. The only thing that I can think of that I can really point to is it feels like the refs have been bad but not really favoring one team because there's a home crowd to impress or be scared of uh they've just been bad across the board and kind of evenly i hate refs they're just no fun i hate refs but yeah the the home court advantage especially in this series is interesting i i think forget who i was talking about this with but the celtics might benefit from the lack of home court advantage in this playoffs as much as anyone they really because, struggled to win in Toronto, like historically. Yeah, and so the, Toronto's home court advantage gets wiped out. I guess the Heat will probably win, and so that, I take it back. But as as things stood initially, the Celtics would have, instead of having to win three series in a row on the road, they don't have to do that anymore. They just now have to win neutral site series. 
Gee, like only thing I can think of, yeah, because they would be the lower seed in this one. Um, but like you think like role players shoot better at home than they do on the road. But now it's just like, I don't know if does Jalen Brown make those shots if it's coming in the Boston Garden? I don't think so. I just think it's it doesn't really have an effect. But I do think to answer the question, the virtual fans could be doing more. Um, I don't know. I just think there needs to be more coordination, uh, more distractions during free throws, more organized chanting. I don't know. I, I, I disagree. From what I've heard, Kemba Walker's mother is the virtual fan of all virtual fans. Well, I did not know this. Thank you for sharing. She is. She is. When when the fans, the virtual fans, get get a little lack of energy, she tells everyone to get get it going, to bring it back, to burp. Lift it up. And, uh, so, <laughs> Bone saw defense. So Ke- Kemba Walker's mother, the leader of the virtual fans, from what I've heard, she is a force, even virtually. And that's why that's why you're the best in the biz, Jay King, because you're a Celtics beat reporter and you know what's going on in the virtual fan world. And I, a professional sports fan, had no idea. And so I uh, have to give you your uh, credit. And that's why this combination works well, because we got one professional sports fan, one beat reporter, and we're here pretty much Monday through Friday at this point, every day, giving you amazing Celtics content like we just did for the past half hour. And we'll be with you after every single Celtics playoff game live on Periscope, and you'll be able to get the podcast the next day. If you like the podcast, subscribe. Uh, listen, if you're a beer company and want to uh, sponsor the Potable Six Pack, we're more than uh, open to hear offers. Uh, so please contact us and go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable if you want to read Jay's writing. And thank you to listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable. <laughs> <laughs>